Welcome to Mums on Cloud9. I'm Heather Black, a champion for women in tech and founder of Supermums, a global brand supporting mums to develop a career in the Salesforce ecosystem. My podcast aims to inspire and support mums to develop flexible, well-paid, successful careers in the tech sector. On the show, we share top tips, insight and inspirational stories from women who've carved out a flexible career, as well as talk to employers who champion diversity and gender equality. In Series 2, we're helping you explore your potential by sharing stories about different job roles in the sector and the skills that can help you achieve your ambitions. Today, we're talking about public speaking skills and their value in helping you elevate your career and your profile in the sector. I'm really excited to have Jodie and Keir join me on the show today, who are seasoned Salesforce professionals. They love to give back in the ecosystem and they took initiative to set up an initiative to help other Salesforce professionals develop their confidence in public speaking. So it's great to have you on the show, Jodie and Keir. Please do introduce yourselves and tell us what, what made you launch this type of initiative? Why is it needed? Thanks, Heather. First off, thank you for having us on your podcast. Just a quick little bit about me. I've been in the ecosystem for quite a long time, about 15 years. And I didn't really get going in the community till probably maybe a handful of years ago, about seven years ago. Um, And that was just an entry point into me being able to learn all about public speaking and how to basically bring to other people my Salesforce experience and what I have learned throughout my career in Salesforce. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm Keir Bowden, CTO of BrightGen here in the UK. Um, I'm the new kid on the block. I've only been in the ecosystem about 12 years, so nothing like Jody's length of service. Um, um, yeah, the reason we decided to launch this initiative was effectively we were seeing the same faces at all the events we were going to. Now, I was one of those faces, so it wasn't all bad as far as I was concerned, <laughs> but I think it was probably getting a little bit samey. And it was it kind of was all people who looked like me as well. It was basically middle-aged white guys in the main. Um, with, but there wasn't an awful lot of diversity. But the concern was we weren't getting any new people. We were only hearing from the old hands who'd been doing it for a while. While that's kind of interesting, there are lots of new people joining and they want to hear through from people who are going through the same struggle um, themselves. And it was something that I, I wasn't the most confident public speaker when I started, so I knew it could be learned. So we decided that we would um, teach people it. I just wanted to add to that as well. If you didn't have somebody who dragged you up on stage to help you kind of get over your jitters, which is something that had happened to me, I found out before uh, the Brighton user group that I was going to help talk about report types roughly 10 minutes beforehand. If you didn't have somebody that was going to do that for you, it was really hard to kind of go, hey, I have the confidence and I know everything about a particular topic. Let me share it with you. So we wanted to kind of help bridge that gap. Mm. And I suppose you talk about the jitters and you know knowing what to talk about and sort of putting yourself forward as opposed to somebody inviting you to put forward. There's like loads of obstacles you can put in the way, like thinking, well, I'm not, you know, I, I, do I have the authority to speak on this? Why should I do it versus somebody else? So how do you help people think about the topics um, that they might talk about and have the authority on your initiative? Like, how do you encourage and motivate people to think, yes, I'll go on this course with you? So one of the things that we do talk about inside of our program is imposter syndrome. Um, And I'm taking your question a little bit backwards. So we talk about imposter syndrome and we talk about why you want to speak and why you should share your insights with the world. So back when I first started speaking inside of the ecosystem, I 
was always afraid someone was going to heckle me. So that's that authority, right? So why why do you think you know about this topic more than than I do? Well, the thing is, is that your experiences are unique to you. So you may know how to use something inside of Salesforce, whether it's flow, it's process builder, I don't know, it's implementing territory management, but your experience is going to be probably unique to what other people are going to bring to that particular talk, right? So do, what have you done? What, you know, you're not just doing a, this is how it works. You're, you're adding your use case to it and what you're doing. So we think that everybody has a unique voice and a unique story to tell. So that's where we say that people have the authority to talk about that, right? It doesn't mean that you're the expert, like you should be a product manager at Salesforce, it means that you have something that is different and something, some insights that you want to share. And how we help people come up with a topic is in our in our curriculum, we ask people to think of three different topics that are interesting to them. And they don't have to be Salesforce related because what we try to tie that to is a passion for a topic. We've had people in our program give their give their graduation talks around being part of a running club, um, encountering a ghost, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about their certification journey. We just had somebody in our last cohort talk about the golden ratio in math and art, which was incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. So we want people to start with what they're very passionate about and interested in, because from there the words and the enthusiasm flows. And that's what makes a good presentation. I don't know if you want to add anything else, Kier. Um, So the, the, the example of why I always give to people on the course is it's uh, if you pick any given topic, it's easy to talk yourself out and think that's already been covered. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't one talk given that everybody in the world attended. So there's always going to be someone who hasn't heard a talk on that topic. So if it's something you're interested in, something you want to share, there will be an audience for that. No, they're really great tips as well. And I would love the fact that Salesforce has been really big on trailblazer stories, which is just basically telling people about your career, like what you did before and what you're doing now and why you're into it. Like just simple stuff. Everybody's got that story to tell, haven't they? Um, you know, their their journey. And um, I really like the different angles you've got there as well. You know, whether it's the customer story or whether it's, um, you know, topic you're particularly interested in like you say whether it's been covered or not everybody's got their unique approach so um so people can't get away with a topic right (laughs) there's always a topic it feels like people could talk about so if they find that topic and they go okay I'm really passionate about this what are the steps that you're taking people on to become a great speaker what do you cover in your initiative and your program to get people from A to Z here um, so the we do a session which is just kind of getting started with public speaking, which is about trying to build a little bit of confidence, just you know, covering things like imposter syndrome, the fact that um, it's one of the most feared things in the world you can do, but actually you won't die when you're doing it, you will survive. Um, you know, people don't heckle you um, very rarely, unless you know you're in a political arena. It's very unlikely you will get people shouting at you when you're trying to talk. So we kind of do a little bit of settling down, really, and then we and we also do a few exercises to get at that point to get people out of their comfort zone to get them used to talking within their little cohort. Um, then we talk to them about how they can choose how they can find their topic, how they can find something that they want to talk about. And as Jody mentioned, we ask them to to pull together three topics they want to talk about. And then we ask them to tell us those topics and explain why they want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Typically, once they do that, um, it's really obvious which one they're actually interested in and passionate about because there's one they, they, they can't stop talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we then uh, 
cover with them how to construct a title and an abstract um, if you're submitting for a, a conference, for example. Um, so how you should frame those, what the content should be. Um, and then we do a session on building a talk. Um, so what's involved in, in building a slide deck, how you deliver it. Quite a lot on virtual uh, talking at the moment because obviously that's changed. Uh, things have changed in the last uh, six, nine months with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we kind of have four weeks where we do a lot of talking. And then the last two weeks, um, our uh, candidates, they will present their talks, five minute lightning talks, and we will give them feedback. And we do that. They do two dry runs and we give them feedback. Um, and everything we've heard from people who've been through it is that's where they really see the value that they've, they've put their talk together. But then having someone listen to it and just give them some tips and, and tricks about how to improve maybe the content or their delivery, etc. Um, that's that that seems to be what people really, really like about the program. Oh, I love that. It feels like a really safe space um, with a real package around it as well. Like it's it's that training, but that safe space to sort of practice with people that they say aren't going to heckle you. I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen anybody heckle anybody at Salesforce talks before. Like, is that just, do we just make that up in our head? I think it's sometimes it's not heckling. Sometimes it's worried about the questions. Yeah, so, yeah. In Salesforce events, you have the microphone and everyone's worried there's going to be this, someone's going to ask a really hard question over the microphone. What actually happens is no one wants to ask a question on the microphone because they don't want to be heard in public. So they yeah. can ask you after the talk. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's the same. Everyone feels the same. Yeah, I had a queue of people after my talk at Dreamforce, like all queuing up. It's the first time I'd spoken at Dreamforce. And it was this big queue afterwards. And you're like, oh, this is quite exciting that people want to ask me questions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. There wasn't much, you know, public questions are that so no, it sounds sounds great um, and so I, I imagine it's been really popular the initiative then because it's such a I haven't seen anybody else doing this and it's so specialized to our to our sector um you know how's it grown since you started it it's it's grown very quickly so I was I was looking at this um a couple of weeks ago when I was on the Salesforce developer podcast just to figure out how long we'd been doing it um, and, and as far as I can tell um, Jodie might correct me on this but it feels like 2016 was when we started um, we did one round in 2016, a couple of rounds in 2017, and I think around 2018, I'm just checking my numbers, um, Jody moved to um, moved back to the US, having been based in London. So we had to change things anyway. Mm -hmm. um, actually, no, sorry. Um, Jody was still 2019. Here, but we weren't working in the same location anymore. So prior to that, at one point in time, we worked for the same company, but it was really easy for us to get together. Um, we decided to run this one rem uh, remotely for the first time. Um, then the following year, Jody had moved back to San Francisco, so we definitely had to run that remotely. But obviously, quite a big time zone issue there, eight hours difference. Jody was mm. good enough to to <laughs> give us an hour out of a day at nine o'clock, I think, or nine or ten o'clock every um, Thursday. But that was never going to scale. Um, and one of the things we'd wanted to do was grow the program anyway. Um, so we decided this was a good point. Um, and this year, we split up into um, two separate uh, groups. So I took on a new um, co-teacher, Julia. Um, Jody took on Amber over in the US. Um, we now run both in parallel. Um, so yes. same content, but we don't run at the same time. We kind of go at our own pace as we need to, as we have the time. Um, hugely popular. So I opened a Google Sheet up for about two weeks and I had 50-odd names come into it, which is slightly wow. unfortunate because I can only do six at a time. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is very popular, um, but because it is very you know, face to face, very sort of hands on, very person to person, you know, that it does require this many humans for this many hours over a number of weeks. So there is a, 
a natural limit to how fast we can go. Wow. And do you see it scaling? If there's such a demand, is there a way of scaling it like we saw Salesforce Saturdays scale up? Like, so I think, I mean, our plan has always been that it wouldn't just be us doing it, but obviously mm. onboarding people and finding the right people would take time as well. But um, mm. yeah, we've always liked the idea of, of scaling out and having um, more people run this, but um, without dropping the quality, that's, that's the key thing. We need to make sure it's the right people that are delivering it. So we're not interested in just growing for its own sake. Yeah, you yeah. to add on that one, Jody. I know this is very much your thing. I feel like we are constant tinkerers as well. So as the program has evolved, we keep playing with the content and trying to refine it and make it better. So I think at this point, while we, I feel like we're still in that tinker mode, like we added a piece around virtual presentations and, you know, understanding how this works virtually in light of, you know, the fun that is 2020. Um, so it's really hard when you keep tinkering what you're doing and, and refining and editing your content. If you're, if you've already rolled out to quite a large group of people who are also teaching. So I think we're in that constant state of trying to make things better, but also expand out. So it's been an interesting conundrum there. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, when you get to the point where you've tinkered and you've got a, a a model that you could replicate and train the trainer. <laughs> um, it sounds like you've put amazing effort into it and that so pe- many people could benefit from this. Um, so once people have gone through the program, how do you then sort of launch them on their way gently? How do we encourage people to start out and put themselves forward for things? Jody, I'll hand that one to you. This is an interesting one because I've seen it go a few different ways. So we encourage people to, you know, talk, go and offer to speak at a local user group or a Salesforce Saturday um, to start off small. And we've had a number of people with do that with great success. And as they build their confidence, and that's really what this program is about, is building their confidence. So starting in small, smaller venues, a, a user group, I mean, there's so many more opportunities with everybody being um, virtual right now. So I have this year spoken like at the Sydney user group and the Portland main user group. So there's a lot more opportunity. So we always encourage people to start off small. And that's the way I started off, honestly. And we've had great success with people starting off with local user groups and then ending up at community conferences, world tour. And we've even had a number of people, quite a few people speak at Dreamforce as well. So starting off small, I think is the way we really, you know, kind of, nudge them out of their comfort zone care anything you wanted to add there no i think i absolutely agree we we try and get them to just just keep building just keep building get bigger and bigger and as as they complete those smaller talks successfully their confidence really grows mm. and do you help them put together that like their pitch their bio to the user group leaders and things to kind of if they ask um i do um i don't get asked that often okay so that's not something that you cover in the program um, we cover, yeah, sorry, we do cover how to do how to build your abstract, but we do that for their lightning talk. Um, but we always we have a slack uh, workspace for all of our all of our um, speaker academy participants. So we're always available every once in a while. I'll run office hours if every, anybody wants to run something by us, but we do teach them how to um construct their title and their abstract and their slide deck for their lightning talk so hopefully all those skills are transferable to when they opt to um 
pitch a talk to a conference or a user group. That's great, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think coming up with those, um, like you say, the three ideas and the three topics is a thing that I was sort of taught as well, kind of like have your three abstracts and then you can put them across and then somebody can choose from them or you tailor the abstract to the audience you're going to and what you think they might be interested so um, they can sort of put themselves forward. So that's great. So who who's your... Who are your favourite success stories um, that you're proud of? I'll sort of ask both of you because I guess you might have your own. Um, Keir, who who's your favourite trainee you've seen? Um, probably um, Mick Wheeler, who's well known to anyone in the UK Salesforce ecosystem. Mm. Um, so Nick's really smart guy, really knew his stuff, um, quite an expert in a lot of areas, but, um, just lacked the confidence and was really very nervous um, when he first um, came to us and started started doing the uh, the initial icebreakers really with the uh, with the cohort he was in with um but fast yeah fast forward probably not that many months because he was one of our really really quick success stories um he's holding a a developer theater spellbound at dreamforce um and if you see him now you'd never think that he was ever nervous about it he really um is quite well in command of his audience most of the time so yeah that's the that's the uh, the main success story for me. I would also say, though, um, just from a general perspective rather than individuals, I think for both of us, um, the, the real success is seeing how people grow over those six weeks. We often say it's like our babies have grown up in that time. They go from wobbly, mm-hmm. jelly legs, being nervous about speaking to anyone, to all of a sudden they're kind of up on stage in command and in control. Wonderful. Oh, that's so sweet. And what about you, J.D.? Um, I definitely have, I have kind of a a couple of success stories in my head, but I'll pull out one. But to Kira's point about seeing them grow, that's the best part about it for us as instructors is being able to see that journey. Um, And the people in the classes also tend to, it's like they've been through a traumatic experience together. So they they tend to bond together. A lot of the people that were in our earlier classes that were in person we would see them hanging out together. They would become fast friends, which was kind of a, a second order effect of what we were doing, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm. But one of my also, to Kira's point, one of my favorite success stories from an individual, I would say is Julia Doctoroff. She was in our second cohort and that woman took, I would say almost a notebook's worth of notes. Um, <laughs> she had so many notes. She wrote down, I think everything we said, she was such a great student, such a great success story. You know, she went from speaking locally at user groups. I remember in graduation as cheering her on, which that particular graduation, we had up the stakes a little bit because I don't know if you remember this care. That was the one we were saying who we would do a vote and whomever was voted best talk got to speak at London's calling. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so there was some high stakes one on that particular graduation. Um, nothing like a good competition. So she had come in second there. I think Mick actually came in first and got the speaking slot, which is funny. Those two are tied together. Or no, maybe that's not it. I don't remember. But anyway, so she had come in second. She was amazing. She ended up speaking at Dreamforce a couple of times, and now she's one of our instructors. So that to me is one of my favorite success stories. Um, and she's just a lovely person anyway to to work with and to, I'm sure Kira loves teaching class with her probably more than me because we <laughs> usually bicker. 
<laughs> oh. I miss the bickering. That was one of the things I think we used to bring to it. Um, <laughs> Julia and I are much more polite to each other. Oh, that's awesome. It's great. I mean, definitely there are names that you see about um, at events and everything. So it's, um, I can vouch for seeing your success stories out there, um, strutting their stuff on social media and user groups and uh being recognized by Salesforce as well. So that, that's fantastic. Um, so if anybody's interested in the program, how can people get involved? Um, so the easiest way to get involved is to definitely follow either Kier or myself on Twitter. We will generally shout from the rooftops and we have a new cohort coming up. We In the US, we just finished our last cohort for 2020. Um, I know the UK one is, or the Europe one is still going, Um, but we should be back, I would say probably January of 2021 with a new cohort. And we'll definitely, again, shout that out from the rooftops. I also usually put it on LinkedIn as well. Perfect. And what are your Twitter handles just for ease? Mine is JM, like Mary Wagner. And mine is at Bob underscore buzzard, my alter ego in the Salesforce ecosystem. Brilliant. Well, we can get those put in the comments of the podcast as well. So hopefully we can shadow them. So um, amazing work. Thank you so much for helping people kind of overcome that challenge. I've I've kind of gone through this journey myself as I've grown up professionally. And um, I, I, you know, I know what it feels like. So rewarding to be able to help people and give, um, give insight and expertise back and feel confident to do it now um and i think people get so much from it um in in so many different ways so if we can get more people out there speaking like it'd be an amazing opportunity so if you're interested please do follow jody and Kier and sign up to their courses and we look forward to seeing the global expansion of these courses in one way or another it sounds like they're in much demand um so thank you jody and Kier, for joining today thank you thank you Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you loved the podcast, please do rate it on iTunes and subscribe for future sessions coming up. Um, We'd love to share more insight with you very soon. All right, take care. Have a great day. Bye. Mums on Cloud9 is kindly sponsored by RB in partnership with Emfer.